Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23. Um, I was going to make this episode about getting out of your comfort zone, but most of the questions that I got asked was pretty much about putting yourself out there, which is kind of getting out of your comfort zone, but I feel that that's so much more a broader topic and I wanted to like narrow it right down. So it's all going to be about putting yourself out there. So I'm really excited because I feel that it's very relevant to me as I've done that so many times in my life, so many times where it's worked, so many times where it hasn't worked. And it's just something that I'm really confident to speak about because I speak from experience. Now, I did put up that question box on my Instagram the other day and I had so many people message. There was a lot of themes, a lot of things that um, were very similar that people sent through about putting yourself back out there after dating, um, fear of criticism when you want to go out on a limb and do, do something um, new or launch a business or change jobs, you know, move somewhere, all of that. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about is going to be roughly around, you know, the questions that you guys did ask and I tried to kind of bunch them and group them into certain things. And even if it might not sound extremely relevant to a question that you did ask, just listen to it anyway because it might actually still make sense and it might tie into what it is that you're feeling. Anyway, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today on this podcast. Now let's do a quick little wrap up of my week that was. Um, actually, lol, I had someone um, write a negative review because apparently I spoke too much about myself on my podcast. I'm going to actually go into that in a bit about this whole negative reviews and people judging each other and whatever. I will go into that in depth. However, if you don't want me talking about myself on my podcast, I advise you turn this off immediately. I don't want to be offending anyone and ruining your day. So essentially, fuck off is all I have to say. Okay. Now, about my week. Last weekend, Olivia, who was the guest on last week's podcast, who's also my bestie, celebrated her 30th birthday. It was technically her 30th point five birthday because we were supposed to celebrate it on her actual birthday six months ago, but then the whole lockdown thing came in. So really we could only celebrate it last week. And we got a boat out on the harbour. It was honestly such a good time. It was just a great time. I have no no words. It can only be expressed through interpretive dance how good that day was. Um, but unfortunately for one of our friends, Kitty, how much does this suck? We get on the boat. Everything's divine. We're in our swimwear. We go to the front of the boat and within like five minutes of leaving, her phone flies into the ocean. So I was actually very impressed with how she took it. But apart from that, the day was divine. It was great. I didn't even get a hangover. Not sure how, but I didn't. And I went for a run the next morning and then spent the whole day at the beach. So needless to say, extremely successful long weekend. Although I am going to say that on the Monday, I spent all day, sunny day, all day locked into my apartment doing my essay. I know everyone talks about, oh, you know, this highlights reel. Everyone always shows their highlights reel on Instagram. Social media is like fucked everything up because you only showed the highlights reel. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to not make this completely the highlights real. Also, but can I say something about this fucking thing about everyone accusing social media of today just being the highlights real? Go to your parents' home and whip out a photo album. And is that not also a highlights real? That's what photos are for. You take photos during times of 
either excitement or, you know, major moments in your life or something really fun or when you're dressed up and looking good. You're not going to take the point of a fucking photo is to go back so you can relive that moment. Why the fuck are you going to be taking photos of the shittest times in your day and posting it? You don't want to relive that shit. That is the fucking point of a photo album and Instagram is the modern day photo album. So, yeah, it's the highlights reel, but also what else is it going to be? Like I hate it when people go on about that. Oh, it's the highlights reel. Yes, cunt. Obviously, it's the highlights reel. What do you want me to do? Take a photo of me asleep? Take a photo of me um, brushing my teeth? Like all the mundane shit. We're aware that I do day in, day out shit in my life. So, I don't need to be stating the obvious all the time. So I honestly don't have a problem with Instagram being the highlights reel. But for those of you that think I've just been laughing on the beach all day long, all long weekend, um, my reality check was the fact that most of last week after the weekend has been me cooped up. Well, I don't want to say cooped up because it is a choice of mine, but pretty much like bunkered down doing all my uni work, working on my mindset hacks, working on the podcast. So there is a lot of – it's a lot of um, a lot of contrast in my life. There's like, you know, the really, really great times out, social, eating out all the time, drinking, and then the total contrast of that is me being at home, studying, studying, studying. Not that I ever – I don't hide that shit, but it's just not as entertaining to post. And also – when I'm doing that stuff, I'm not thinking, oh, I really want to be posting this. I'm focusing on something else. So that's another reason why I'm probably not sharing all that side of things on social media because my focus is somewhere else. Uh, anyway, so that I kind of pretty much just explained what my week was about. Now, like I said, I'm going back to the fun brain facts or myths. The topic this week is the importance of sleep for memory consolidation. So I'm going to quickly break it down. When you form a memory, there's basically three parts to memory. There's encoding the memory, consolidating the memory, and retrieving the memory. That is how your memory works. If any of those three things go wrong, then you really have no memory. If you can't encode a memory, so encoding is the actual moment that it's happening. When your brain is perceiving that stimulus, perceiving something through any of your five senses, and then it is... As it's occurring, it's saving it in a way in your brain, right? So it's it's saving it in a, in an area of your brain, and that's your conscious perception of what is going on. The second, so that's number one, encoding. Number two is the second part, that's consolidation. Consolidation occurs primarily when you are asleep, and that is grabbing that memory and then turning it in, like basically moving that memory to a different part of your brain. And that's where it's going to be stored for long-term purposes. So that way you can then not have it in the forefront of your mind, but it's more moved back into your midterm, long-term memory. Um, so that way you can access it when you need to, but it's not there in your conscious thought. Like if you think about a number, um, if someone tells you, oh, think about this eight-digit number, your short-term memory, you're repeating, repeating, repeating because you want it in your conscious consciousness. It's not been consolidated into your long-term memory so that um, consolidation has not occurred yet. And the best time to consolidate a memory is in sleep. The final part is retrieval. So, of course, that's anytime someone asks you to remember something and you have to pause, kind of dig into that filing cabinet in your brain and pull out that memory that's relevant 
to the conversation you're having or to the circumstances that you're engaged in at that time. Now, if any of those three things go wrong, your memory, you have massive failures in memory. If you cannot encode a memory, there's no point having um, consolidation or retrieval. There's nothing there. If you can't retrieve a memory, then pretty much the only memory that you've got is your working memory and that's in the encoding. So working memory happens a little bit different to retrieval and that's kind of the... The span of a working memory, the time span is around 10 seconds to a couple of minutes depending how relevant the information is. So if you're having a conversation with someone, your ability to remember what was said in that conversation in the last 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, that's all working memory. It's all kind of relative. And then your brain starts to try and consolidate that. Um, So yeah, if any of those three things fail, then your memory fails. Sleep is extremely important for this. That is where most of the consolidation happens. And if that's why one of the main, when someone is sleep deprived, one of the first things or main symptoms that you notice is that their memory is really bad. They're not working on consolidating that memory in their sleep. So they start forgetting appointments. They start forgetting, did I say that? Did I, did I actually send the message? Was the email sent? Did I do that? So you notice that you have all these lapses in your memory once you start to lose sleep and once you're sleep deprived. It's very, very highly um, linked. So when you are cramming for an exam, make sure you still get some sleep in there. No point staying up all night studying if then you're going to go straight into that exam because what you would have consolidated is a fraction of what you have spent hours and hours studying. So you're better off studying half the time and sleeping the other half of the time and then going into the exam and remembering a lot more than you know just a fraction of whatever's kind of top of mind forefront. So sleep is crucial for that. Also, when we sleep... That is the time that most of the waste disposal occurs in the brain. So if there's certain kind of – the waste removal of your brain happens through the cerebral spinal fluid and also through blood flow. And that, you know, there's a whole network of um, vesicles and vessels in your brain that have these fluids that are bringing nutrients to your neurons and your glial cells and removing any waste from the brain, any kind of like unnecessary, whether it's a toxin or whether it's like a cell that's been um, cut down or destroyed or whatever, that stuff needs to go. Most of that quote unquote waste removal happens in your sleep as well. So think about it. If you're not sleeping, then you've got excessive amounts of this so-called waste as such in your brain. And that's also where you can get you know, where symptoms of degeneration or you can get lesions in your brain because we're accumulating too much waste and not getting enough sleep. So sleep is absolutely crucial when it comes to listening to those motivation talks and you hear those fucking idiots saying, oh, you know, if you want to achieve a goal in your life, sleep less. No, if you want to achieve Alzheimer's, sleep less. Like, fuck, I hate it when people tell other people to sleep less. You need to know what your ideal sleeping time is and stick to it. Oversleeping is not good either because you're fatigued after. Just find your ideal sleep time and it's different for everybody. Me personally, it's like seven hours. I don't really like sleeping more than seven hours because I feel like sluggish. Six and a half, seven hours is ideal for me. A lot of people, it's more around the eight hour mark but you'll find you know what your ideal sleep is and you want to be sticking to that as much as you possibly can. So that is the fun um, sleeping memory consolidation fact for the day. Also, if I've got any teenagers listening here, fun fact that you can throw at your parents, teenagers need around 
10 to 11 hours of sleep. So if your parents turn around and say that you're lazy, turn around and say to them, actually, I need to sleep 10 or 11 hours because this is where all the um, pruning of my neural connections are occurring. And so my brain has to work overtime when I'm sleeping. So if you're a teenager, make sure you're fucking getting sleep because a lot of shit is going down in your brain right now. Anyway, let's get into the topic of the week, which is putting yourself out there. The number one thing that I'm going to speak about, and it's kind of going to preface the entire podcast, is that there's two populations of people. So everything that I'm going to talk about in this podcast, you need to ask yourself, am I from group A or am I from group B? And it's a choice that you can make. And you might be sitting in group B and want to jump over to group A. That's totally fine. You can do that. But it's a conscious decision that you're going to make. And one thing that I'm going to make clear before I explain what the groups are is you can't be in both. Impossible. You're either one or you're either the other. And I'm going to explain why. Group A. These people are the kind of people that really try. They go out on a limb. They potentially fail a lot more than group B because they're trying more than group B. It's a bit, it's a numbers game. So they're probably failing a lot more, but they're also succeeding a lot more as well because it's just the amount of times that they're putting themselves out there. They're the kind of people that are more likely to speak through their actions instead of sitting there saying, oh, I could do this, I will do this, I will. They'll just try it. They'll do their best. They're always going out there trying. And so due to that, when they see someone else try and do something, they're more likely to get excited and get invested in that person succeeding because they see themselves in that person. If you're someone from group A and you're always, you know, striving towards something and then your friend is also alongside you doing that and then you see them succeed – to you, you perceive that as like, fuck yes, success is possible for them, but also it's possible for me too. And that's kind of the mentality that you have. You're, you're, you build not only yourself, but you build others up. That's the mentality of a group A kind of person. A group B kind of person is someone who is not very likely to take a leap of faith to try to get out of their comfort zone and put themselves out there and be vulnerable. They're not likely to do so, maybe because they've just never been the kind of person or maybe because they did it once and were traumatized with what with the outcome that they've never done it again. Maybe they used to be a group A person and then something terrible happened and then they became a group B person. So they're the kind of person that then because of that feels threatened when someone is succeeding because for them it's highlighting the fact that they're not succeeding. So their defense mechanism is to then try to get other people to become a group B person. I want to instill fear in you so you also join my, you know, like you know, trying to recruit more and more people into the group B because the more people that are in group B, the less people around them that are succeeding and the less shit about themselves are self-conscious they're going to feel in group B. They don't build people up, they cut people down. So they're the kind of person that will, behind your back, criticize, but also even worse, okay, behind your back, criticism, whatever. That's, you know, no one else is hearing it whatever. But worse is that they'll say something to your face. They're the kind of people that may have never walked in someone's shoes, never tried doing something, but yet feel free to give that person criticism or kind of slack, not even helpful advice 
on how it should have been done or what they should be doing or why they don't think it's going to work or, oh, you know, like, <laughs> is it really a good idea that you should be doing that when X, Y, Z, blah, 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 all this shit. You know, they'll try and instill fear, doubt, all of that into other people. They're the kind of people that when they see someone trying, they're the ones that write you know, bad reviews or, you know, go and try and spread negative words about someone else because they just feel shit about themselves. So what I was talking about at the start of the podcast, when I look at certain reviews of my podcast, you guys are fucking amazing, firstly, and most of you, pretty much all of you have that have done a review have written five stars, which is really, really cool. And don't get me wrong, if you genuinely didn't like my podcast based on incorrect content or whatever, of course, rate me lower. I'm not like, obviously it's fine. But what I find interesting is like someone will give a one-star review, but the reason is like, oh, you know, you spoke about yourself and you you pronounced a word incorrectly. And that is a one-star. So that person's obviously from a B category because if someone you know, decided to criticize my podcast and say, hey, look, I'm giving you a one star because I'm a neuroscientist and what you said about the brain was incorrect and you shouldn't be spreading misinformation, blah, 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 blah. I'd fucking eat that and I'd be like, fuck, okay, I didn't know I was wrong, but, you know, you're right, whatever. You know, I would have to accept it, you know, but what I'm saying here is that personally, if I thought that someone's podcast was boring because they were talking about themselves, I probably would switch it off. I wouldn't go to the effort of, you know, because I understand that someone who's doing a podcast is going out on a limb and putting themselves out there and trying something. They're trying. They're spending time. They're doing something. They're putting their heart and soul into it and trying. So for me to give a one-star review to someone, they would have to be homophobic, racist. They would, they would, it'd have to be pretty extreme for me to go out there and be like, wow, you're a fucking dickhead. Here's a one-star. So if you're just going to give someone a one-star review because you're just shitty and bitter, then you're from the B category. If you're giving someone a one-star review and it's validated and there's legitimate reasons behind it being such a low review that you can be bothered to go and write that review, then that's fine. You might still be from the A category because, you know, you. It's. I'm not saying never give a negative review, but understand what the intentions are behind it and what that means. So, and I think anyone who's listening here, if you've kind of been in that situation where you've put yourself out in a limb and really tried something, you're probably less likely to go and throw shade and criticize people that are kind of in your boat doing what you're doing because you understand the, the hustle and the struggle. Like you understand. So when you see people in that position, if anything, you silently want to encourage them. Um, so what I'm going to say to you as we go into all the topics of getting out of your comfort zone is that you are one or the other. You cannot be both. If you are both, you're B. Okay. You can only be one. Don't think that you can sit on your ass and criticize people left, right and center and then go off and do your own thing and try and succeed. You're going to be coming from a place of fear. If you're always criticizing someone, that's where your thought patterns are based around that. Then when you try and go off, you're going to fear criticism so heavily as well because you yourself are the criticizer. You know, that it's going to inhibit a lot of your abilities to go and take that leap and to get into that mindset of growth if you're always living in a mindset of fear. So it's fear versus growth. B, fear versus A, growth. You have to make that decision 
every morning that you wake up. Am I going to be A or am I going to be B? Make that call and I hope it's A. But if it's B, at least you've called it, at least you know it, own your shit and live your best life. I don't care. But know where you stand. So now, now that you know this, my tactic, let's talk about the, the, one of the main questions, which is fear of criticism. The beauty about understanding these two separate populations and understanding where their motivations lie and what their mindset and mentality and thought pattern is behind the things that they say and behind the things that they do. Once you understand that, then you care less about who is going to be criticizing you. So because I understand this group A and group B, the only criticism that I will take to heart is from someone that is coming from group A. Someone that has put themselves out on a limb. Someone that's taken a leap of faith. Someone that's done what I want to do. If people in that category are turning around and giving me criticism or feedback, I'll fucking take it. I will at least listen to it open, with an open heart. Because I understand that they know what they're talking about. If someone from category B, who's the kind of person that's going to sit on their ass, never go out on a limb, but have all the confidence in the world to tell you how you're doing that wrong, and re- but they've never tried it, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. You can fucking go and tell someone else. Go and bore someone else with your bullshit. So it's not that I won't take criticism at all, never, never, never. I do but I'll only take it from category A. If you're from category B, not interested, goodbye. And you can tell very quickly which category that person is from. You can, you can just see it coming a mile away. So that to me has cut out a huge popular population of people that I don't give a fuck about if they criticize. I don't give a fuck. If it's in my inner circle and someone that's done what I'm trying to do or something similar or gone out on a limb or really fought and worked fucking hard for something and had failures and picked themselves back up and then they're telling me something, happy to listen. Happy to listen because they're probably not coming from a place of hate or malice. They're probably coming from a place of trying to genuinely give advice. Now, quick recap on the or like final thing to say about this group A, group B If you're someone that's like, fuck, but I never go out on a limb. I'm too scared to try, but I also don't criticize people. Just consider yourself in group A. If you encourage people, you're not one to throw shade. If you love seeing people succeed, if that makes you, then you're just going to follow a few of the tips and tricks on pushing yourself to get out of the comfort zone. And you're just innately a group A person. You just need a little bit more of a push to actually go out there and try new things. Um, if you're always coming from a place of hate, if you see yourself criticizing people, whether it's silently in your mind or out loud, you can change that and become a group A person. And the beauty of that is when you stop criticizing people for no real genuine reason, whether it's even in your head, you don't even have to say it out loud, you become more likely to want to chase change and do some cool things in your life because your focus is shifted. You go from protecting yourself by criticizing others because that is a a protection mechanism to I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm just going to put myself out there. And the people that are going to criticize me are group B. I'm no longer part of that family. Goodbye. I've migrated to group A and I'm going to have a family of people with this mentality 
who are going to be supporting and driving me. A lot of the time, you've just got to surround yourself with like-minded people. And if you're in the B category, you're probably around B category people as well. And that's why you might struggle so badly to take a leap of faith because you criticize others. And so you're terrified about what people are going to say about you because you know how hectic the shade is that you throw on other people that you're like, fuck, they're going to do that to me. If you're always encouraging people and helping them out and like being there as support, you're likely to attract those same people into your life. So then the moment that you want to go out on a, on a limb, you're going to have group A people being like, yeah, fuck yeah, we'll help you, we'll this, we'll that. So just, just ask yourself, who am I mainly hanging around? What is the most common theme here, B or A? And that's going to give you kind of a really good indicator of maybe who you should start hanging around less or if you do want to do something major in your life, maybe don't share your goals and dreams and ideas with group B people because in my opinion, it's a waste of time. People in my life that are so critical or judgmental or whatever, whenever they ask me how I'm doing or what I'm doing, one word it answers for them because I just can't be bothered. And what's the point of sharing my aspirations and my dreams to just be cut down from some moron who's never actually gone on a limb and done something? So it's a waste of my time. I'm going to share my ideas and dreams and goals with people that are that are driven and have gone out there and who are, you know, that they hustle for something. I'll happily share it with them. But really, no one else. I'm not interested. It's, it's a waste of my time. And I want you to be like that because then it's more water for ducks back. When you get that kind of criticism, you're like, oh, you're not my person. You're a group B person. You're not a group A person. Okay, awesome. Now, let's start covering a few of the questions that I have been asked from that um, Instagram question box. Number one, this one was very common, making new friends. Okay, with making new friends, and I get it, especially as an adult. I think I spoke about this in my last um, last podcast. Anyway, recently I spoke about this. And it's that idea of, you know, unlike uni, unlike high school, when you're an adult, you're not really forced to hang around certain people because even at your job, you're not, you don't have your lunch break in a playground with your colleagues. You probably go out on your lunch likely – you know, alone, you go and get food that you want to get, you know, so there's no, not necessarily a forced situation where you have to hang around people. So making friends as an adult can come in so many different ways. But the number one thing that I could recommend, especially to someone who's in a position where they feel that it is difficult to make friends, if that's the case, I'm presuming you don't have a lot of close friendship groups that you can kind of count on often. Otherwise, I would presume you wouldn't be needing advice on how to make friends. So we're going from out of that presumption. Now, obviously work is one of them. But one thing that I do recommend is that you kind of want to find like-minded people in some way, shape or form. Because one of the greatest ways of making friends is to have something in common. Now, I don't think it's great to have everything in common. I think it's nice for people to have differences but you're most likely going to bounce off someone if there's something or a few things that you have in common. So workplace is one of them. Obviously, uni is another place. If I look at, so let's look at me, for example, where I have made my friends. A lot of my friends I have made through places that I've worked in the past, through I've become really good friends with people that used to be my client and then we've just 
formed an awesome friendship. I've become friends with people that used to live with a friend of mine, like they were their housemate. And then, you know, we've continued a friendship off that. You know, it's, it kind of, I've made very, I've made friends in nightclubs. I've made friends, you know, okay, anyway. Needless to say, I'll fucking make a friend. If you lift up a rock and there's a human being underneath, I'll probably try and be their friend. But what I'm saying is that out of all these people that I've made, we had something in common. We bounced off each other for a certain reason. There was something that made us click. One thing that I found that was really cool, and this is where my recommendation comes in, if you find, especially with COVID, there's fuck all, especially if you're in Victoria, there's fuck all to do physically that you can go out and be meeting people if you want to make some friends. So yes, there are the apps to make friends and that's all well and good. But what I found even better than those apps, because I can't really speak for those apps, I've never used them. They could be great. I'd actually love someone's um, opinion on them if you have used them, would love to hear, but I don't know. One thing that I think is really cool is the idea of the Facebook groups. Now, I've seen a few of the people talk about a catch-up on my Facebook group, which is just, oh my God, I love that so much. But also on another Facebook group that I'm on, and that's, I'm sure you guys probably may may even be on it as well, but Lucy and Nikki, their happy hour Facebook group. Girls and guys on that group have done really cool meetups on this group. So if I were you, and I'm wanting to find a group of friends that are like-minded, go on to the Facebook groups of podcasts that you resonate with. Because if you're resonating with the podcast, take Happy Hour, take Lucy and Nikki's podcast. If you're resonating with it and you think it's absolutely hilarious, at the bare minimum, your humor resonates with those girls. So anyone else that's going to resonate enough to join their Facebook group is probably going to have a similar humor to you or find similar things funny to you. If you get on those Facebook pages and start engaging with people and answering and commenting, you start becoming part of a community. So you could do this online, at home, in lockdown or not. It doesn't matter. You're part of this community. And then if you do have the capabilities of meeting up, you know, how many times I've seen on that group and on my group as well where people say, hey, I'm uh, Brisbane, for example, I'm Brisbane-based, would love to catch up for drinks. Who's free on either Friday or Saturday? Let's do a poll. Let's get together. And then I saw someone commenting on um, uh, Lucy and Nikki's page. Like there was a group of girls that were having like drinks somewhere. And then some girl commented saying, oh, my God, if I wasn't alone, um, I would love to go here, but I'd be terrified rocking up alone. And then another girl commented straight after saying, oh, my God, I feel the same way. I don't even live far from there. I'd love to go. And then the two of those girls on that chat were like, how about we made up for a drink beforehand and then we go in. I'm like, amazing. So this is brilliant. Like, so even if you're someone that's like, oh, can I even rock up to a group alone? How good was what that girl said? She was just straight up with how she felt. She was nervous. She was a bit scared. She said, like, I'd love to be, but I'm shy. There's nothing wrong with that. And look what happens. You put yourself out there. You go out on a limb with like-minded people and someone's going to reach out and offer an alternative. Like, why don't we catch up one-on-one and we go in together? You're always, if you put yourself out there, you're maybe not always, but you're often more likely than not going to have someone that resonates with what you're saying or understands where you're coming from or has been where you are and wants to help you out. Like if I see someone that's kind of in that situation and I also was in Brisbane or wherever the meetup was, I too would want to reach out to that person because I was shy back in the day when I was in primary school. I was a shy kid and a kind of shy teenager. It wasn't until I was around 13 or 14 that I started really coming out of my shell 
you know, with strangers. I was always really outgoing as a kid in my family, but put me in, you know, an environment with lots of people and I would like kind of shrink. Uh, And that only changed when I was like, I don't know, let's say 14, 15, I don't know. So if I see that in someone else and I see them wanting to reach out, of course I want to reach out because I see, like I've been there, I know that feeling and I want to help that person like be included in that group. So if you put yourself out there, you're likely going to find people who understand or who are in your position as well. So couldn't recommend the idea of the Facebook group high enough. That gives me so much life when I see that on the girls group or on my group. I love that so much. Not to mention how I personally need to start doing some fucking meetups, but maybe when the restrictions are a little bit eased. So my recommendation for you is doing that. Finding groups of like-minded people. We are so lucky with the internet in this day and age. Yes, there's a lot of bad, but my God, there is a lot of good that comes with the internet. And this is one of them, finding communities and then taking it offline is really important because when you take it offline, then you really have the opportunity to actually create a friendship and a bond and something where you can really, you know, make it something that's, you know, where you've got each other's number, you can hang out one-on-one and that's where, you know, the deeper real friendship connection happens. It's not just bouncing off each other over something that you have in common. Now, another really big one, the next one, it is how do you put yourself back out there when you've been in a long-term relationship and then that relationship has dissolved. Like how do you put yourself out there again? How are you confident enough to put yourself out there on a date, meeting people, um, yeah, essentially going out on a limb in that romantic arena? So my opinion on this is it's kind of – there is a blessing. If you've come out of a relationship, whether you ended it or whether that person ended it, doesn't matter – you are aware of what you want and what you don't want because I'm sure that in every relationship there's aspects that you wish were different and there's aspects that you absolutely adore. Even if they were your perfect person and they dumped you, I'm sure there's certain things that you would want different. So when you enter this new arena, you are at least now aware of what you want and what you don't want. And make that clear. Like tell yourself that. Don't just like suppress it and just say, oh, I'll just go with whoever loves me. No, no, no. What the fuck is it that I want and what don't I want based on experience? So already that's going to start building your confidence because you're like, no, I have control in this. I can choose what I want and what I don't want. Another thing is that you want to be when, – when you're heartbroken, a lot of people, especially people who are serial monogamists, like you know those people that go from relationship to relationship to relationship. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's not my cup of tea at all. But I don't see – the problem in that, as long as you're dating for the right reasons. So what I find in, I've got a few friends that are serial monogamous, but not for the right reasons. In other words, they want to be loved. I mean, who doesn't want to be loved? We all fucking want to be loved. That's a human need. And if we don't have it, we die. But they want to be loved above anything else that they will sacrifice a lot of things that they would find ideal in a relationship to find that love, to replace the love that they lost. Now, the problem with that is instead of in your time of, you know, desperation and most need for love when you're heartbroken, this is the time that you want to be reaching out to your other sources of love, friends, family, and self-love. Because if you instantly seek love from someone else, and someone's there giving you love, you'd be like, done, perfect, and you jump into that relationship before you've done the vetting process for yourself. You haven't really sussed out, oh, that person, that doesn't, that's not going to work for me. This isn't right. 
this is not going to work, this isn't right. So then what happens, you find yourself in a relationship that's not working out or worse, a toxic relationship and then it's kind of like a vicious cycle. You know, once that love, the not the love, but once the honeymoon period wears off, you've mistaken this lust and honeymoon period for pure love, then all you've got left is what you can love them on based on the person that they are, not the excitement of, the, of starting a relationship. And so when it comes to coming out of your comfort zone, the point I'm getting at with this is that if you are more comfortable understanding who is a good match for you and who isn't a good match, you're not going to feel so nervous getting out there in the dating scene because it's not about get that person to like me. It's, I want to see if I like you too. You want to get yourself to a position where you feel comfortable and you feel the self-love. You've got your connection of people in your inner circle, family and friends who give you that love, that you're not desperate to replace the love you lost with a new love. I think a lot of people feel that and I get messaged a lot with people saying, you know, that they have to deal with a lot of pressure that they, yeah, kind of externally, but a lot of pressure that they put on themselves to be in a relationship. Now, this is false pressure. You've allowed that and you've agreed with it on some level. And so then this pressure is making you feel that you need to lock someone down and then that's where the nerves come and that's where when you get out into the dating scene and like, how do I find this person? How do I, I need to, you know, I haven't been dating for ages and, now, and then it's this whole big issue in your head when in reality you should only be dating someone that's like a right match for you you don't need to be hunting down someone I mean you can if you want you can go on the apps and you can kind of go on these dates which is kind of like a vetting process or an audition process to then see if you're actually going to date that person but even still you're going to feel more comfortable if you know what you want and what you don't want and if you understand kind of what standard you are setting for yourself of who you would and wouldn't date. I can't stress on how important that is for your confidence when you go out into the dating scene. Know what you want. It makes a huge difference. I randomly got asked this quite a bit and it's um, feeling confident walking into the gym in the weights section. So just quickly, I'm assuming that you don't have a personal trainer, nor do you want to spend the money on a personal trainer to go into the gym. If you do have the budget for a personal trainer, that's probably the best way to do it just because not only are they helping you with exercise ideas, but it's kind of like a first step of being exposed to being in the gym, but you've kind of got that, you know, that protective factor of the personal trainer there who's walking around with you. So it kind of helps with your confidence. But let's assume that that's not the case. You either don't have the budget for it or you don't want to, whatever, doesn't matter. Let's say you're going in just you and yourself. I would recommend if you've never done it before and you are literally freaking the fuck out, my recommendation is you want to look at the first few times you go to the gym as exposure therapy. You're not going to get a great workout the first two or three times. Your aim there is to get comfortable in the gym, number one, because once you're comfortable, then you can go at any time, no matter if it's busy or quiet, you're going to feel great and that gym is going to become your safe space. But there's no point associating all this anxiety with going to the gym if you're going to feel like that every time people are watching. So the first two or three times, fuck the training. I don't care if your workout is the shittest thing you've ever done. I don't care. First few times, exposure therapy. That's what you're going to look at it as. So I want you to pick three basic exercises, free weights exercises. You can YouTube them. YouTube is an incredible free source of um, ideas for working out. So YouTube, free weights, leg exercises. You can do um, 
split squats. You can do, you know, free weight sumo squats, squat to press, um, whatever. But just go three, nothing too hectic. You go into the free weight section because that's where people are going to feel the most anxiety because they're kind of exposed there and they're using free weights. It's not a cable machine or whatever. And you just use those three exercises that you watched on YouTube. Go lighter weights, not heavier. You just, we're there for exposure, remember? And then you do those three exercises maybe three times around and then you leave. That's probably going to take you half an hour. It is such a good way to just get comfortable with your surroundings. Also, maybe go the first time, go off peak. Don't go in the crazy hours the first few times. And that way, if ideally you want to be going to the gym at, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning, you're now used to the gym floor space, where the weights are, where everything is, and you're going to be more comfortable. But that would be my advice to you. You want to treat the first few times as exposure therapy. You're not there for a crazy good workout. Probably the main one that I got is fear of criticism and judgment. And this has got, like, I've had questions with saying, like, I really want to change my career. I want to quit my job. I want to start my own business. There's a lot of different scenarios that people messaged in about. And it's about the idea of, you know, this paralyzing fear that they'll be criticized for trying something new. But what you want to ask yourself in this situation, is that enough for you not to do something? Is fear of criticism enough? Because if it is, then is what you want to do strong enough? You know, because always look at who are the people that you admire in your life or who are the entertainers that you really liked or who are people that you look at being like, wow, they've got such a good... All those people have gone out on a limb and done something and all of those people have been criticized and they've been cut down and they've you know have people possibly laugh behind their back it's all happened it's all happened to those people but those people that you know that you aspire to that are your role models that give you life that all those people imagine if they threw in the towel when things got difficult you know they're not these made of steel where nothing affects them and they don't get offended. They've probably gone through a lot of hardship being criticized or attacked by other people for doing what they're doing. You know, the people that you look up to have probably gone through that and maybe behind closed doors and not really spoken about it. But imagine if all those people that you aspire to be like or look up to threw in the towel because of fear of criticism. Where would we be in this world? Because you're almost never going to be in a situation where you're not going to get criticized. If anything, you kind of want to, like, I'm all about optimism and I'm all about focusing on the good and whatever, but just be aware and not necessarily expect it, but just kind of see it as something that's probably extremely likely. And if it happens, it's kind of like, well, I'm not really blindsided by that. I was aware that that was going to happen. So you want to set yourself up understanding that criticism is a part of life, being attacked, being exposed to people's insecurities and jealousies. That's just a part of life. So if you're using that as a reason to not do something, you're never going to do anything that's worth doing or worth having. Often the things that are really worth having are the things that you've earned and worked towards, things that were, you know, out of your comfort zone and a bit of a struggle because when you do triumph, it's worth so much more than achieving something that was, you know, within arm's reach your whole life anyway. That's where, you know, true happiness comes from or, you know, 
fighting for something, achieving something, working towards a goal, seeing growth and progress within yourself. And even if you have those failures, you're still growing, you're still progressing. Like that's all, that's what we live for. That's what, you know, having a purpose and having a goal and working towards something, even if it takes you years and years and years, that is what's going to give you ultimate happiness. That I can guarantee you that if you started doing something that you really want to do, even if, it's, even if the end result is years away, you're going to feel more fulfilled and more on purpose. No matter how much criticism you get, you'll feel even better then than where you are now wishing you could do something. This fear can be quite paralyzing. And I understand that if you've been somewhere and you've been cut down in the past, you're like, oh, that was awful. But the truth is, and I know it sounds hectic, but the truth is the first few times are terrible, but you get a thick skin. And like I said, there's those two populations. You've got population A and population B, and you need to somehow find a way to separate yourself so much from the population B that when you get criticism from those kinds of people, water for ducks back. You're like, you're not my person. So I understand why you're criticizing me because you're fearful, you're insecure, all these things happening, but I don't need to resonate with you. I don't need to be involved with that. I'm going to focus here on group A, okay? Always bring yourself back to that. Which population do I want to be a part of? Am I going to grow or am I going to try and cut people down? Am I going to build people up or cut them down? Including yourself, including yourself. If you're from group A, you're building yourself up. You're encouraging yourself. You're putting yourself out there. My main thing is if I get a criticism or if someone's trying to cut me down, whenever that happens, if someone sends me like a mean message on Instagram and it happens, luckily for me, rarely, but it happens. So when I get that, it's, you know, it's easy to focus on that and to dwell on that, but that would be kind of a slap in the face to all the people that have sent me such amazing messages because I would get a hundred amazing messages for every one bad message that I get or more. Like honestly, the amount of love that I get from you guys is fucking amazing. So what I do if I get criticism is I lean into my purpose, into my why. So if I ever get a horrible message, I read 10 amazing messages that you guys have sent me on Instagram or, you know, reviews and whatever. And I think this is why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for that one person that's blowing up, just having a meltdown about something I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the people that are taking the time to write to me being like, wow, I really resonated with that. That was amazing. I lean into my community. So if you're ever in a place of feeling so much fear towards doing something, Make a community, find a community. Like I said before, the resources are at your fingertips. You can find these communities on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on an app. It's amazing the people that are out there. People in general are good and people do want to help and you're going to find more and more and more like-minded people if you just put yourself out there. So if you're ever fearful of criticism, lean into love, lean away from those people and lean towards your purpose, why you're doing what you're doing. And that's what's going to help you when you do decide to take that leap and do something like starting a business or whatever. Understand your why behind why you're doing it because that's going to help you push you further. Like with me and my podcast, my why is you guys um, and changing your relationship with yourselves and with your brains. So if someone's 
writing to me being like, wow, you know, I listened to the Jealousy podcast and my relationships changed because, you know, I was able to talk to my partner about it and acknowledge my issues with jealousy and then my partner really opened up and connected with me. That gives me life. And when someone sends me a message like that, oh, that would trump any negative comment. Like, I can't even, like, I've got a huge smile on my face even thinking about it. And that's me leaning into my why. Like, this is why I do what I do because it just I just absolutely love that connection with you guys and you guys resonating with what I have to say. The people that don't resonate with what I have to say, why the fuck am I wasting my time listening to them? You know what I mean? Like, why spend more than the time it takes me to read the message to dwell and be upset? Of course, the first few affected me a lot more than they do now. I remember the first criticism I got. I think, I honestly think I was about affected for hours and hours. And I had this weird, like, low level anxiety for the rest of the day. And I don't get anxious often, but I was like, and it was affecting me until I stopped halfway through the day. And I was like, why am I feeling like this? And I was like, it's that review you read this morning. It was like a really bad review. And I was just allowing it to ruin my day. And then I was like, how do I get out of this? Because this is not helping me. And I'm spiraling. And it's totally the opposite of what I'm encouraging other people to do. So then that's when I started. Then every time that would happen, which like I said, luckily is not often, but when it would, I would then read a bunch of positive comments from you guys and then it would set me back on the right path and I'd be really feeling really good again because I'd be like, wow, okay, switch the focus, understand that those people are always going to be there. It's your choice if you're going to focus on them or not because if you focus on them, they're going to be a huge part of your life because everything is what you perceive, right? It's that whole thing of like if you change the way you look at things, what you look at, changes and it's the same with like people criticizing if I'm only going to look at the people that are criticizing me and reading that over and over and dwelling and freaking out about it then I'm going to have a really tough time I'm really going to suffer but if I turn around and focus on you guys I'm going to have the best time in the world because like we bounce off each other and we resonate and I feel like I genuinely feel like I know so many of you even though I've never met you because of that connection that we have so for me lean this is my advice to you if you want to take the leap but you are terrified of criticism you need to lean into your purpose every time. Lean away from that and lean into your purpose. Don't fight back. Don't resist. You don't need to respond. None of that shit because that's giving them energy. Energy that should be spent on focusing on the actual path that you're on, which is you know, hitting those goals, doing what you want to be doing um, and achieving the things that you want to be achieving with, with your people, with your why. So guys, next time you're you know, in that position – thinking if you should do something, even if you get cut down, that's just building your resilience. And becoming resilient and growing as a person is a blessing. It's actually a gift. When someone hurts you, it's an opportunity. And I know it's hard to look at it at the time, but I would never, ever, ever take back the horrible people I've dated or the like year-long heartbreaks I've endured, I wouldn't take that back now. Back then I'd be like, oh, I wish, I wish this never happened. I wish I could, you know, reverse time. But the gift it's given me has been growth and resilience and understanding. Like I learned about myself. I learned about people. It's actually been like pretty amazing. So growth at the time might not be pleasant or comfortable, but it is necessary for you to become like the next version of yourself. And we're always updating the versions of ourselves, you know, like if you're trying to reach that 2.0 version of yourself, 
resilience is a part of that and growth and going through pain and going through all of that, that's going to happen. And your pain might come through people criticizing you or trying to cut you down. You will grow, you will become strong and your resilience is going to be one of your favorite things about yourself. That's one of the favorite things about myself. I love that. But I wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't for these awful people in my life that I did encounter. And I'm very grateful for it now. And that's where I want you guys to get to as well. Don't ever fear something so badly, even if it means temporary pain, because temporary pain is your growth. You know, don't try and live so safe that you go the other way and end up jeopardizing your chances at living your best life or living a fulfilled life with purpose. You know, sometimes you will live so conservatively that you you actually have a worse time because of that. Like here you are, it's counterintuitive. Here you are trying to protect yourself from pain, but then causing yourself more pain by living so safely and so conservatively. So it's that idea of understanding that with pain comes so many wins, so much, you know, so many achievements, personal achievements, and most likely physical and professional achievements as well, because it's you putting yourself out there. So just ask yourself, how many times have you not taken a leap of faith because you've been terrified to, you know, lose something, lose a person or lose people's like positive opinion of you or be judged or whatever. It's, it's just not worth it. Because at the end of the day, the people that you do this for, the community that you live for, whether it's your inner circle, whether it's a wider community, they're there supporting you, having your back. So don't ever be afraid to put yourself out there. The more you put yourself out there, the easier it's going to be. I can guarantee you that. Don't let one traumatizing moment be the be all and end all and think that you can't do it. The first time will be the worst. The next time won't be as bad, I promise you. And maybe the next time is where you're going to find success or succeed or have, you know, be received positively positively by people. So don't let that, um, you know, cock block you from going on and doing what you want to be doing. Guys, that is all for this week. Um, good times. Tune into Mindset Hacks if you are doing it. That's also going live today. Um, love you guys all so much. This week's Mindset Hacks is a little bit different and it's actually about dealing with anger, like actual feelings and emotions of anger. And I'm going to give you specific things to break down, how to do that, how to intercept it and how to um, get rid of those angry feelings when it happens so that where you don't get, you don't like trickle down the anger for the rest of the day and become one of those people that are like an, a fuse that gets set off easily. So basically that's what Mindset Hacks is going to be all about. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for your support as always. Love you all so much. I love our community. Love our Facebook group. I'm going to try and be a bit more active on it this week. Sorry. I've just been a little bit um, little bit stretched thin with uni and all of that, but I do really love that group and I'm going to try and write more on it. Hey, I might even do like a live one of these days. We'll see. Maybe to celebrate end of semester, I'll jump on and do a live and answer questions. Anyway, that is all. Make sure you guys take care of yourselves. Be kind to everyone. Be kind to yourself. Don't take shit from anyone. Don't take shit from yourself. And be a group A person. Fuck the group B people. Be a group A person. Love you all so much. Danke.